This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Alex and I have not read Caleb Carr's The Alienist. My name is Nick and I've done the reading. Yes you have. Today we will be discussing season one episode three of the TNT series titled Silver Smile. While we will not be spoiling any of the book and by extension any future plot lines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the third episode through the third episode of the series so pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of our episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at TheAlienist.tv, and you can send feedback to feedback at TheAlienist.tv to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on TNT's or Caleb Carr's The Alienist so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding The Alienist or our podcast. Sorry we come to you a little bit late this week. Uh, I had some business travel, which therefore kind of limited my time in being able to watch and write notes and such. And record, so uh, we're here on Thursday night, mm-hmm. burning the 9 p.m. oil Ooh. to get you this uh, this podcast. The midnight episode. oil somewhere over the Atlantic. Yes, uh, but yeah, next week it might be something similar with Valentine's Day. We also got a few other things uh, in the fire as well. So it's it's kind of we'll we'll see when we get to you, but we will try and get something to you. And the week after that, I'm going to be out of town, so mm. that one's also going to be late. But that that'll should be, episode be five. hopefully the end of the lateness. Yeah, I think that'll be the, the midway point. Oh, but uh, we will get you episodes, we promise. Just yes. please be patient with us. We love you. Thank you for listening. Uh, speaking of listener feedback, uh, Mark F. just chimed in to let me know that he is indeed Mark F. But that wasn't the Mark F. that I had to do the cyber sleuthing on. Ah. That was Mark D., and I haven't heard from him, so maybe he was creeped out and stopped listening to us. <laughs> Way to go. But uh, sorry, Mark D. Hopefully hopefully you're still listening. But other than that, I don't think there's too much. For those of you that like Westworld, Westworld Season 2 is coming April 22nd. Mm-hmm. We will likely be doing a second season of Westworld FM. So if you're not subscribed to that already, go check it out. Did it say when it April it airs? It's April 22nd. 20, oh, you just yeah. said that probably. Okay. I did. I it, is, it is Sunday the 22nd. So Fantastic. Uh, yeah. I'm excited. I'm also very excited. That trailer that aired during the the Superb Owl. Yes. Is, uh, I only half watched it. I, yeah. I, I wasn't looking. You know what? I wasn't looking too close, and then I immediately saw a Reddit post the next day that was like, is that young Ford here? And I was like, oh, God. Reddit already knows exactly what's going on in this entire season. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing <laughs> from, has been. From a minute, 30 seconds of a, of a trailer. I so I pretty much only half watch most trailers these days. Ten years ago, I loved movie trailers. Mm-hmm. Ten ten to fifteen years ago, I loved them so much. I'd watch them repeatedly. I thought I had such respect and admiration for people who cut trailers because I thought it was such an art to it. 
And now I watch them and I'm just like, ugh. Like it's an intern <laughs> doing it somewhere and they're just giving them, like some producers just saying, these are all the things we want to see. Just put them on a timeline yep. yeah. and do some bombs and Need some that fades. money shot. Give us some interesting sounds here. Need like three different screams at this part. Put the glass shattering right there. Cut, cut rhythmically somehow to like like the text with the music and like all the things that used to make certain trailers unique they now try to put in they put all those things in here's a, every trailer here's a slowed down depressing version of an 80s song oh don't upbeat. even <laughs> say it that is the worst oh uh, yeah it's so rarely effective anymore all right let's get on with the episode retired police chief tom warns the parents of willem van bergen that he's a person of interest in an investigation into the death of a quote-unquote street urchin the parents don't really seem to take note or want to take note of the chief's warning captain connor meets paul and the chief in a bar to discuss willem's rough treatment of the girls but the chief assures it's not going to happen again Meanwhile, Paul explains that John Moore won't speak about his visit to Parisa's Hall unless he wants to lose his standing in the community. Uh, we met the Van Bergens, which I presume are important, and their son Willem is maybe or maybe not somebody we've kind of seen on screen. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. That whole scene was very strange to me. They're they're weird people, uh-huh. and they they it came across in those few minutes that we had. I them. liked it. Uh, so I'm just gonna throw this right in front here. The show is actually at a point now where I think I'm gonna stop my concurrent reading because the show is is branching off enough mm-hmm. that I feel like it's almost running sort of not parallel to the book anymore it's almost becoming it's growing into its own own retelling yes as we so i'm i'm kind of think i might stop and so my factual inaccuracies may grow as i'm not refreshing certain parts of the book but i kind of like not knowing some of the things that are happening It, it it basically let's put it this way it it has reached the cool point where it's doing new things and yet there are familiar things creeping in that I'm really excited to see. Interesting. So it's actually, I guess branching really is a good term for it because right at the, right at the start, it was still pretty close together. Yeah. And now the further the branch is growing, the further it's growing away. Yeah. And I'm kind of cool with that. Yeah. So I don't know who the Van Bergens are necessarily. Oh. But I think that this is pretty interesting. Hmm. And I think that the scene was really... I really love what this show does with centering people in the in the middle of the camera, and yet they're not looking down it. They're still looking off to the camera, but taking kind of eliminating the the traditional rule of thirds sort of thing, like leaving more space on one, more negative space on one side or the other, or just f- maybe not even negative space, but framing a character onto one either the left or the right frame. Uh, keeping them in the middle like that, there's something about it that's really unsettling, Absolutely. and they've, they've been doing it a lot, and I think. It's really, really clever because it's, it's, you know, we're used to a certain visual language from movies. And by kind of just putting that out of... By uh, discarding the rule of thirds completely, almost I, completely. Oh, God, I want to talk about something in Silence of the Lambs <laughs> so bad. If we haven't talked about this on this show, Alex has never seen the Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, and it, this is true. That shook me to my core <laughs> when he said that. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. There, there, the list of movies he hasn't seen is 
is dramatic, but is. Silence of the Lambs is one that really surprised. Do the you, list have you, almost seems to keep growing. Have you ever seen any shots from Silence of the Lambs? Anything you can recall as like? There's nothing that sticks in my mind that I can immediately, other than maybe Hannibal Lecter in the doorway with the mask on. Hmm. That's about it. Well, the but. very the very first time you meet Hannibal Lecter, literally the first shot of him is so extremely jarring, and it's because of the way he's blocked in the scene. The way he, it's just so unusual, and I, that's all I really want to say because I want, I do, I want you to watch it and I want to be there when you watch it because <laughs> I want to be with somebody watching Sounds of Lambs for the first time <laughs> because that opportunity is so rare now. Yeah. And uh, I want to watch you just throw back your head and laugh and be like, oh my God, you're right. And you will remember this conversation because yeah. it's so good. But anyway, it's, it's just that idea of like that kind of blocking and just like just moving something into a slightly different position than you normally would in order to call attention to it. Yeah. And this scene just for they're, the opening. They're centering your focus onto the subject of the shot. And the subjects quite often don't want to be looked at, which is kind of, that's where I feel like the unsettling is coming from. Like even Mr. Van Bergen's kind of like half ignoring that the chief is there. Mm-hmm. And and that alone makes me feel like I don't want to notice him not listening, essentially. Yeah. All so he wants is his dessert. Yeah. yeah his, and, uh, and the way that the chief is framed is weird, too, because... He's even though he is more off to the side, you're only getting like almost a profile of mm-hmm. him when he's speaking to the misses, and even that is weird. He's like almost just shoved into the corner of the room, and it's just something about and it's and it very much unbalances the shot. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it's really cool. I liked it. Mrs. Van Bergen <clears throat> is Sean Young of Blade Runner fame. Oh, it was her. Okay, I yeah. was looking for her because I saw her in the uh, title, but I, I was just staring at the cake. Like when it came to the shot, because it's yeah. this hilarious little like a little treacle or whatever thing. it is. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah. Anyway, cool scene. Yeah, very cool. I liked it, and I'm curious to see where where the mystery and and where the the investigation starts to. Mesh, mesh with high society is going to be fun to watch. I'm wondering uh, if that if if the Van Bergens are a red herring or not is kind of where my a part part of part of me is like I feel like it's early to really to really know that to to know a potential name of who the killer is even and to like know that that the the police are maybe even interfacing with the killer so i don't know i'm like i'm very skeptical of of the entire relationship and, and situation this is a show that has done a lot of stuff early though yeah Keep and that that's in mind. that's what it, that's what you said yeah like knowing that things have been happening earlier than you anticipated i'm kind of mm-hmm. like that that's the part of me that's why i'm kind of 50 50 on it i'm like i want to think it's a red herring but i also can't fully discount it so. honestly this show the show may reach the climax point of the book in like episode seven or mm. eight, I could almost see the show going beyond where the book reaches its natural end, which actually I don't think I would love because the the book does such a great job of building to this giant, big, crazy ending. And it's done so well, but we've already kind of deviated from the pacing of the book anyway. What so. if there's like an episode 10 epilogue? Like, ep- like Game of Thrones style? That's kind of episode not, nine is always the biggest episode. Well, yeah, episode episode nine is typically the climax, but then what if even like episode ten is just the bookends? That would be fine. I mean, I think yeah. I mean, episode ten can't literally end with like. 
But th- that is the way the book. The there's probably twenty to twenty five pages or so of, of just falling action yeah. and, and resolution. Yeah, and maybe and maybe more than that. Books are kind of hard to gauge. It's probably like two chapters. Just interesting to see what they do with the ten episode series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I can't believe that we're already like thirty percent in. Yeah. Uh, Captain Connor in the car. I don't know that there's a whole lot to say other than, you know, the idea that John's not going to talk because of what happened to him in the car. There's a car in this episode. Sorry, in the bar. <laughs> oh, okay. I, you know, I'm just all over the place. The car today. in the, the car. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. that scene was weird because uh, the so the resolution. What I was talking about last week with the way that chapter ends. Uh, that is so cool in the book. It does that doesn't happen that way in the yeah. show, and the weird kind of implication from uh, wait, which one's which? Connor is the there's Polly who run Paul who runs the right, runs yeah, Paris's not, not Paul Kelly. You uh, got Captain Connor, Captain Connor, who was at the table there, and then the chief is to, uh, Ted Ted Levine. Ted Levine, okay, the, he's the chief. Tom yeah, Captain Baron. Connor is the handlebar. Yep, mustache fellow. Yeah, his like joke. About like implying that Moore was like raped, can't yeah, was was weird, and and the characters in the scene seem to kind of look at each other like you weirdo. Like, yeah, they're they're all they're all like they're both kind of like I, why why would you take pleasure in the fact that this man was defiled or something like which is kind of weird because they're the ones that essentially force it on him. Well, but. I'm not even, but the thing is, I'm not sure he was like they're mm. it, the the show was a little murky on whether or not that did or didn't actually happen or like whether you know what connor does or, or there may maybe they're just maybe they planted this idea essentially yeah i think that maybe like they they kind of told connor that that happened and he was kind of like because he's a little simple he's kind of like oh ho, ho, ho. and the, the two of them because it, like more doesn't seem to react as though that was the case and even when he confronts Sally it's it's kind of it just doesn't feel like anything like that happened it feels like he was robbed and drugged but yeah I don't know I don't know how much of it he actually remembers or is too embarrassed to talk about that's true so I'm not I don't know anyway well yeah we'll get to it uh act one John wakes from a dream about dream about a mutilated Sally to find himself in Laszlo's study bustling with movement from Sarah the Isaacsons and Laszlo himself that is Lazo's study, isn't it? It's kind. Of, I've. It's. It was really hard. I. You know it, what? I don't think it is, and that really bothers me. Like I think, but I think it was the same room that Mrs. Vig came into in the first episode, if I recall correctly. I. I. And it's the same room that Cyrus comes to him later in the episode. I, I agree. Think. But we don't know what it is. It's just the show isn't... Well, there, there's a problem with the geography of that later when he's talking to Mary. Yeah, exactly. He's like, who told you to come here? And he's like, Cyrus will take you back. So I don't I don't really know... It might be the Institute's study. But I feel like that's less... The fact that we don't know is a problem. Yeah. And the fact that it's not an anonymous rented space in the city is another big problem for yeah. me because that's the way it is in the book. And he, even if it's like meant to be, it just feels too lived in. Well, they don't. They just need. There way. are certain things you have to establish. Like you oh. have to let us know where you are. Yeah, that's pretty. You need to give us some sort of geography. It's Otherwise, the standard. We're, we're kind of spinning. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, John wakes up in some place, and he doesn't know where he is, and we don't either. Right. But John shares that Giorgio was liked <laughs> by wealthy clients, uh, but he's too embarrassed slash groggy to recall anything else. 
Roosevelt awards meritorious service awards to two men who Captain Connor doesn't think deserve it, but Roosevelt uses the photo op to exert power over Connor, forcing him to take a photo with the medal recipients. Sarah chats with Roosevelt's daughter, explaining that her father and Roosevelt were once friends. And John arrives home with a worried grandmother to a worried grandmother who called his father after he didn't come home last night. She wants to set him up with a girl, but he just thinks he's going through a rough patch. Laszlo studies a blown-up copy of the bloody fingerprint through a projector with the Isaacsons, and after learning it's relatively useless on its own, realizes there may be a bloody fingerprint somewhere on Giorgio's body, so he asks the Isaacsons to go take a look. And finally, a young man uh, looks on and smiles at a public pool or bathhouse filled with young men as a policeman throws a boy out for being there early in the for having been there earlier in the day. Once again, the large act one of the show. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Uh, so John's study, or John's study, Laszlo's study, whatever it is, uh, the moment with John, he doesn't have his pants. That's funny, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I guess in terms of... Nothing particularly big happens there. He doesn't realize what he knows yet. That comes later in the episode. Mm-hmm. But Laszlo looking at the fingerprints. Um, I thought, that, well, number one, they call them fingerprints in this episode. Maybe so they're finger marks. Yeah, they're, they're no longer finger marks, which I don't know if they meant to make that happen, but it did. And it almost bothers me that they're not I was just going to say, <laughs> does this bother you more? The inconsistency <laughs> yeah, of it? Yeah, I think so. It's my OCD showing or something like that. But um, I agree. Stick no, finger marks. Laszlo's analysis of it, of like, what are these blank spots? And they're like, well, it's a partial print. Maybe they're cuts or maybe they have a skin disease or something like that. I thought was very... In, like that. Laszlo trying to learn more from the single fingerprint was cool. Mm-hmm. But also the fact that him learning that it's not particularly useful without a match it's, is also cool. It's really fun to watch Laszlo learn from other people. Yeah, like I, it's really, really satisfying to wa- to watch him encourage people and like just just kind of enjoy them expressing ideas. Yeah, and uh, the the Isaacsons are always fun to observe in in the book in that way as well. Watching them bounce ideas off of each other and. Laszlo gets really caught up into in it. It's it's just it and it works great in the show too. Yeah, those scenes yeah. are really cackling with a lot of energy between the three of them. And For sure, that dynamic is pitch perfect. And the the stern look of we have a mission that uh, Marcus I think gives to to uh, Lucius after mm-hmm. Laszlo's like go look at Giorgio's body. I thought was really kind of funny and just like a. We're we're ready to go. Let's go. We must we must proceed. That yeah. kind of put thing. the kettle on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's fun. Yeah. They're they're really good. I'm glad that the Marcus romantic subplot has just been As once again. You know, I guess <laughs> I, ho- I hope it never comes back. Like I hope that that was just it. <laughs> just a little bit of established we have this footage. I guess. Yeah, uh, let's just throw it in we there. got a pretty girl. She's an extra. Whatever. Just yep. write her a small role. Socialism. It. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that scene is really good. Yeah. Uh, Roosevelt. So stuff with Roosevelt. um, Interesting to see Connor be like pissed that these guys are receiving the medal. Even when I think one of them is the man who comes to Connor later to tell him about the new body. I wonder. I don't know exactly what's there yet, but it's almost like Connor's kind of 
putting on airs in front of Roosevelt of like maybe he's trying to not trying I don't to know. throw him off the scent of yeah even though he's horrible at it <laughs> like it's not like he's been hiding it very well previously that's an interesting theory I don't think so I think it's just grumpy old old wave getting why pushed, didn't I get a medal getting pushed aside by <laughs> by a new generation like I think yeah. it's it's something we see all the time yeah that's like true the, the the new guard coming in and uh and they are a symbol of roosevelt's just ref- wave of reform yeah. and that bothers connor that's fair that um, that would be pretty in keeping with it i mean because connor's not he's not that smart you know he's not he's no master manipulator yeah that's true. He's, he's a goon he still is perfect. Oh, he's really but good. But I don't think that that character has that much. I'm questioning now how involved he is in the book, and I, I think his role has been greatly expanded, but I really dig hmm. it. Yeah, I think no. It's, it, I think it's great. It fits in pretty well with oh, yeah. the entire milieu, I guess. Uh, we do learn Sarah learned to shoot from her father, mm-hmm. uh, which, which was interesting, and that Sarah's father knew Roosevelt. You never, I don't feel like there's anything in the show that really suggests that that child is Roosevelt's child, but I inferred it, not because I'm a genius. Obviously, there's something in the show to make it, I guess it's the way Sarah's looking at Roosevelt as she's talking, that kind of thing. Uh, but I don't know, like it, it just, it, that once again, seems like a little bit of a failure in the mechanics of how it how things are typically established in a TV show. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So many of the I'm trying to I'm struggling to find the word, like the cornerstones of basic episodic storytelling. Yeah. Seem to be missing. Just the the the, the norms of it. Yeah, I mean there, Which, there there's a whole like type of shot called establishing shots for a reason and they exist in everything for a reason because we we need to know where scenes are set. It's inherent to, I mean, every even every campfire story starts with a, it was a dark night in a house by the woods or yeah. something like You have to know where something is happening and just room doesn't help. This isn't the room, the series. Like, Cut you know, to interior. Yes, yeah. exactly. No script just says <laughs> interior, room, <laughs> furnished. <laughs> and, and if it does, probably shouldn't be made. Lots of books and a yes, chalkboard. Books. Clearly smart man is here. <laughs> Smart man walks up to drunk man. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I think I think it gives the show like a very uh, unsettling still isn't the right word, but it just the show kind of puts you. It puts me at least. It keeps me on my toes, I guess. But I don't really know that it serves a purpose like I shouldn't be on my toes in a scene where Sarah's talking to Roosevelt's daughter, you know? Yeah, Roosevelt as far as characters go, he's still he is the biggest swing and a miss. So it's not even a swing though. He he is like even more so than John. He's the biggest missed opportunity for me because okay. Teddy Teddy Roosevelt is real. <laughs> he was <laughs> and we know all about him. We know about his personality and like he's he's a, he's an important part of the book. He's not like a main 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 character, but he's yeah. he's a main character and his kids are in the book okay. in a few scenes and they're really funny and they're really sweet and the interactions between him and them are really good and Moore is usually the bystander during these scenes and they all know him. I mean, he drops by their house a couple times in the book and it's really fun to read about and uh 
so when that girl was there, I was like, okay, this is probably, mm. I forgot her name. He, I think he uh, had two, two or three. Is it Alice? Or is Alice his wife? I, I think it's Alice. Edith, I think, is his wife. And then I think, um, I think it is Alice, but I'll double check. I think, yeah. Uh, and she, she's the one that is the most, uh, has the most time in the book spent. And she's very much like her, her, uh, dad's daughter yeah i think alice is the is the daughter yeah she's really fun in the book and it was fun to watch her just picking up a gun and just like wielding it yeah. like that was very I, I got a little grin out of me because i was like that's pretty in keeping with what i've read well and sarah's not even like oh my god she's just she just pulls it out of her hand and looks yeah at it and says, I, ho- I hope we do get a scene at the roosevelt house because if it's anything like in the book it's it's just a really fun little like i don't want to say set piece but like there's a lot going on in the scene and it's kind of funny yeah hmm. Uh, yeah, TR, I'm, I'm waiting for him to just turn it on, just yeah. flip the switch and, and get some heat going yeah. in this performance. Like, just give a shit. Pull the elephant gun off the wall. Yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> just go wild. <laughs> no, just in his eyes and in his personality. I want to see yeah. some anger and I want to see some like. Get that red, that plum red face mm-hmm. that I feel like has been described yeah, in any get piece that, of Roosevelt. Get that scene that I was talking about in the first episode where like Moore has to hold him back from punching a crooked cop. Like, I want to see some of that fire. Yeah. Like the performance is like. It's it's adequate, but there's nothing like exciting about it. That's kind of a drag. Uh, John's grandmother, she in the book? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. I was so glad she finally showed up. She's hilarious in the book. She's not in it very much at all. Yeah. And and if she is, it's very brief. It's usually him running in the door or running out the door. He lives with her because he doesn't get along with his parents, and he did his engagement was broken. And I think he just lives with her because she's like wealthy and has a big house and it's just like fine. They get along well. But the relationship on screen was, I would say, pretty accurate. That's a little more like he's actually a little bit more ashamed of his behavior, I think, in the show. Okay. In the book, he's very much like she like will start to chastise him and he just like kisses her on the cheek and like makes a joke and like winks and she just laughs. She's like, Oh John And just like (laughs) and then he and then he runs out to get off onto onto the adventure and uh it's very brief, and and Grace uh, Zabrisk or Zabrisky or however you say her last name is all. When I saw her name in the credits, I was like, she's probably going to be Morris' grandma, and that's going to be great. She's from <laughs> Twin Peaks, and she's okay, uh, yeah. in Seinfeld for quite a bit, and she's hilarious. But that that dynamic was good, and I was glad that she showed up. There's actually yeah. a really hysterical subplot in the book that, she, so she is convinced that H. H. Holmes, who is do you know who H.H. H. Holmes was? No. Doctor who was a, like, he was one of the earliest, like, serial killers who, like, it, it killed a ridiculous amount of people in, like, Chicago, I think, okay. somewhere in Illinois. Uh, they're making a movie about him, I think, starring DiCaprio, or DiCaprio somehow involved, based okay. on a book called uh, Devil in the White City. I think that's about Holmes. Anyway, I could be totally getting off topic here, or I am, but... <laughs> uh, so in the, in the events of the book, Holmes has been arrested and tried, and I think he's due to be hung... Okay. Right when the book starts, it's actually in like the first chapter and Moore's grandma is convinced that Holmes is going to like break out of jail and come to her house and murder her. Like she's like petrified of the idea of this man. And there's several jokes at her expense about it where Moore like makes jokes like I'm going to call Dr. Holmes and get him up here and oh, I'm going to work with the government to release him. And then it's just really, it's a really funny thing. And it, and it's, it's a funny way to like contrast the actual killer story that is happening in the book. Yeah. But because of it, she's also incredibly distrustful of uh Kreisler because her Chrysler, 
because he's, uh, a, doctor. he's a doctor. Yeah, yeah. And, she, and he's kind of weird, and he's a mind doctor, and she's kind of like, oh, he's just gonna be just like that, Doctor Holmes, <laughs> and it's just kind of funny. Anyway, huh. TLDR. I was excited to see the grandma. Yeah, she's a good character, and uh, it was fun. Uh, and then yeah, I guess the final part of the first act. Uh, the young man in the bathhouse, I guess it is. I don't really know what that place is, but did you get anything out of that that you can share? <clears throat> I assumed maybe that was Willem that was looking on. I'm going to say yes Okay. to that. Yeah. Now that... Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll just, uh, we'll just yeah. move on. Okay, yeah. that's fine. All right, Act 2. The Isaacsons discover that Giorgio's body has gone missing. Sarah reports this to Laszlo before heading to a Vassar College class reunion. As a game of wink murder plays out, I guess that's what it's called, <laughs> Sarah asks her roommate if they're the only old maids there, only to learn that her roommate is not only engaged but also has had sex. She tells her roommate that she has her eyes on a doctor. John meets with a potential suitor and the suitor's mother, who appears to know John's father, and wrote him a note when John's brother drowned. John clearly shows his disinterest by calling the girl the wrong name. And as John peers at a sketch, potentially of his brother or father, he notices a bird on the window, which causes him to remember details about the previous night. He runs to Laszlo to explain, and Laszlo discounts discounts the details of a silver smile and the power of flight as ramblings as he decides to talk to Sally himself. The The two track down and interrogate him, Sally, and Laszlo mentions, uh, or Laszlo learns that the boys eventually realize who they can and cannot trust. And cut to the quote-unquote captured boy from the first episode, peering out of his open window and smiling. Uh, yeah. So, uh, was Doctor Doctor Tuttle? Does that name ring a bell? Is that anybody in the book? It seemed like he tended the morgue, maybe. That yeah, kind of I, I can't recall. But it's very okay. possible that he that he is like the mortician in the book. Yeah, but he seems against Roosevelt, which you know who isn't on the police force. It seems. Mm-hmm. Um, the Laszlo and Sarah scene in the undisclosed location, I guess we'll call it. Uh, <laughs> we have to talk about that more. <laughs> we will later. Uh, it seems very weird. They kind of have a... It's a little bit of a tiff, I think. It's kind of the start of a crack that appears later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Kind of just like Laszlo questioning her motivations for one, for being so steadfast in the, the investigation, I think. To, obviously trying to, once again, as we mentioned last week, trying to push people in the direction that he thinks he needs them to be, mm-hmm. obviously. Yep. But she doesn't receive it as a piece of intrigue as she kind of has in his other statements previously. Right. So I thought that was kind of cool. They're fun to watch together. They are. Chry- Chrysler, actually, he he's fun to watch him bounce off of everybody on the show. Yeah. Daniel Brühl is just doing a fantastic job. He's very good. Yeah. That, that scene does open with another set of, ex- like I guess it's not extreme, but close-up symmetrical centered shots essentially Mm -hmm. which is i I also found interesting but yeah they're almost like it it's almost like what i would imagine like an interrogation is like where you're usually we see people seated directly across from each other Mm -hmm. that is kind of how it almost feels yeah um we had john's suitor carolyn madeline i think he calls her 
uh, Carolyn and her, or no, he calls her Madeline, but her name is actually Carolyn. Caroline. Um, I don't know. That was funny, I guess. But we also we learned that he had a brother who drowned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he doesn't seem like it bothers him, or he plays it off at least. He plays it off, but then if he goes to look at that painting or draw, drawing of his brother, I think that's his brother. I I do like that about the drawing that you don't really know yeah. which one it is. I, I think you are meant to think it's his brother, which is kind of what I thought too. But I was yeah. like, he just looks... It's funny seeing a, draw, a sketch versus a photo because the guy, the man in the sketch looks like an older man with like a beard and he just doesn't look like Luke Evans in this show. He doesn't look like John. Yeah. So it made me go like, maybe it's his dad, but it probably it could be, his, I guess it could be either way. What I, what I really loved about that scene was just the small, like mini like toast he gives to the, to the man. Like yeah. he kind of raises his little thing of like whiskey and just kind of gives it like a little, and I loved that. I think yeah. that those little things are the things that I've been craving from this show. Hmm. We talked in the first episode and I think the second about how this show is very talky and there's a lot of characters just talking about their feelings and rather than the little things like uh, I think in the first episode I was we were talking about how we really liked the scene of Sarah just stri- striking up a cigarette and just sitting by herself and like those little moments of people when they're alone and, and watching what they do yeah. and how they act are really, really fun to watch especially in a show like this where the subject of your your the mind and your interactions with people are are so there's so much light thrown on them all the time that those it's those little things that are nice to really just give you a sense of who the character really is. And so that little tiny thing I actually rewound it rewound and watched it again because I liked it so much just like the way he walked up to it and just everything about it was just great. His hair's down, he's yeah, like he's just kind of like in that place of not comfort, but undress, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, and that that's a good point, too. Like, his hair is a little much more, like, bed-raggled. Bed like, this yeah. whole episode, there's a lot of scenes like that where he just looks like a guy. Yeah. He looks almost, I don't want to say modern, but just more like what we're used to seeing now, that people don't, like, just grease their hair down into yeah. these comb-overs and parts. And and it was just nice to see him, like, in that relaxed kind of setting and just, like, this is what he's, like, behind closed doors and mm-hmm. just, like... It's just like that's kind of the theme of the episode is that we're fi- it's like we're finally starting to bear down on the people. Mm-hmm. We see them and and I guess you know there's the shot of shots of Sarah in like her her um, girdle or whatever I, corset is mm-hmm. what I was thinking. Oh yeah, uh, in earlier episodes, but kind of like now even Laszlo taking his shirt off with his arrow pointing at his face of chest hair that he's got going on <laughs> and uh and john you know in his robe and everything like it's just kind of we're starting to see the who these people are in private yeah and more. the the last thing about that that exchange with the drawing on the wall is i i really like that i at least i didn't get definitively if it was his dad or his brother and i think it doesn't really matter because the little salute the little raising of the glass he does, I think they mean different things depending on who the person is. Yeah, it it could be kind of sarcastic to the father or... It could be sarcastic to the dad or it could be genuine to the dad. Like he misses his dad, but they just like don't, they just can't really see eye to eye right now. Or it could be to his brother and like in memory of him. And 
I just really liked it. I don't know why I'm spending so much time talking about that, but I just thought it was a great, a great. Well, little, we talk about the micro expression. It was a great little preacher, moment, you know. It's, it's true. A little small little moment. That plus that that moment is something that I think Chrysler would look at and be like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, was there anything about the Vassar reunion that the that you might have wanted to touch on? I don't really know that I got too much out of it. No, I think it was. I just think the whole thing is really fun to watch because like man how society has yeah. changed yeah. even when I when I looked at the Wikipedia article for wink murder because that exists they called it a parlor game and I was like oh that was a parlor oh yep they were chilling in the parlor classic parlor yeah, my yeah. parlor is very similar that is one I would like a standard parlor please yes, that yeah, that was it right there that's when you know when we were looking at a house to buy I was like oh what's the parlor like though because we have a lot of parlor games we gotta yes. whip out our fans <laughs> that was one thing we forgot to talk about in that first scene yeah. she just bust that thing out yeah. and starts fanning away the at nervous her face tick. yeah I was like what the hell even yeah does that mean but the part yeah i i liked that scene i thought it was fun to watch like how sarah is so clearly in a different place than everyone in this room Mm -hmm. like and it's not just like a it's not just a a woman thing either that she's like clearly a more independent free thinking woman but she's just above everyone in this space because she's dealing with something so serious and so important and she it, it is occupying her time and her mind. Even even when she's describing this this bow that she has, this doctor, yeah. she's kinda she only for a second seems to genuinely really want to talk about him and then she just kinda moves along moves yeah. along. It's like I don't need to that's fine. Well, yeah, and it like I part of it seemed like it's not so much that she doesn't really know if it's... I don't know. She mentions him as like, oh, well, yes, of course I have a bow. But it she doesn't necessarily... It doesn't feel like she's mentioning it because she wants that to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, a, oh, me too. Yeah. I have a fancy man as well. But also, like, it, it it's pretty clear that, like, her... Even in that room of of women that we haven't even met before this point, she, her ambition sets her apart, not only physically in the room by herself next to her roommate, but also just in general. Everybody's just there like laughing and engaging with the high society, whereas she's just kind of separated off to the side. Yeah, I, and and it it sucks too because she. It, you feel bummed out for her while you're watching because clearly if this woman was her roommate and she's only going to talk about herself and, and then just be like, Oh, do you have a man? And she's like, Oh yeah, I do. Yes. He's a doctor. And then the roommate's like, wow, great. And then mm-hmm. just like moves along and it's like, wow, what kind of friend are you? Yeah. Like find out what his name is or how you met or what he there's that. It's just such like polite posturing the whole time. And in the background, there's this game, which I mean, if I were her, I'd be way more into that too. Like she's kind of almost kind of scanning. The, I, I would be like, well, hold on. There's a, there's someone, one of these, guys, I'm going to figure this shit out. See, but that's the thing. I was just kind of thinking about that. And, and, and I, as I was watching the episode, it didn't really hit me what was going on, but I think it kind of hits her that like, oh, we've made a game of this horrific thing that I'm investigating right now. I will say, I think there's something about this scene that's going to come back around later and I think you're going to have the Tim and Eric gif moment. The, the mind exploding. Yes. Yeah. 
The uh, what I will say is that there was one thing that I noted noted about the trailers that they've been showing. Like they show this season they, mm-hmm. every every week they show this season on the mm-hmm. Alienist, and yeah. it's mostly the same scenes. Yeah, I it has been that. at least. But surprised you're watching it. There's one I, I was just kind of. It, I think it, I left it on as I was writing notes one day, and then it caught my. It's eye. hard not to. But Once there's a starts. shot of the woman who cackles at the first death, the the person putting on the party essentially, mm-hmm. that like seemed so much more sinister in the trailer than it did in the show. <laughs> and in the show, it just seems very frivolous of yeah. like, oh, they're making such a joke of of murder kind of thing. Yep. So I it, it's it's. It's interesting for something that I even even when I brought this up, I was like, I don't know what there's to talk about here. And then we sit here and talk about it for five minutes. Sure. So it's, it, there's obviously something of of substance there. But. Well, there are there are moments uh, I like fake out moments like that in, in movies and, and shows and thrillers where you get you think something is going to be of, of great importance and then it's really not yeah. for a second. And I'm trying to there's an example Right on the tip of my tongue, and I can't remember it. It's from like The Fugitive or something. I feel like it's from uh, another movie I haven't seen. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell? Oh man, I love The Fugitive. <laughs> man, we got some work to do. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm sure it'll come back to me later, but it's not that important. Basically, yeah. Uh, and then finally, in the final part of this act, the boy that we've seen a few times now. I thought he was captured. <clears throat> But now, even when I wrote this description, I thought he was captured. And then as I was writing it, I was like, maybe this is just the boy that the shadowy figure picked out and then went up to the room with. We saw what kind of happened last week. And then today, I think he left. You think he's kind of like, he's a customer, basically, to the to this kid? Yeah. Like, he might be grooming this kid as a potential... So you think the scenes we've been seeing with them are in like a in like one of these little brothels? In, yeah, it could in, be in Paris's Hall, him, I yeah. guess. Whatever. Like, yeah, I thought at first that it was a oh he's you know keeping him away, but even like this scene is after Laszlo learns that the kids learn who they can trust, mm-hmm. and we see this kid smiling at the open window, and just kind of putting the pieces together from later in the episode and what they learn at that moment because it's one of those scenes and even nicole as as she was watching it today and me as i was watching yesterday i was like what is this doing here Hmm. and then after seeing it a second time i was like oh okay so yeah i think that those scenes if i can draw the obligatory parallel to true detective they almost remind me of like when at the end of an episode matthew mcconaughey would find like the little wooden structures yeah. that seem to be around as almost like the confirmation of this is you're on the trail this means something yes exactly yeah. i think that those scenes are going to mean a lot more later mm. more <laughs> john moore is the killer but for, for now <laughs> for now yeah i could see how they're a little confusing yeah uh, you are on to something you're uh do you know what i'm on to i know everything Okay. All right. Just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the show this episode is doing a few things that are different and new and fresh and exciting, but I think uh I I yeah, I Overall, know I, I know yeah. what you're on to. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh anything about the the John Laszlo Sally? I like Laszlo's kind of like Laszlo's one of those people that I feel like he'd like walk up to a group of people in a foreign country and kind of like <laughs> 
be like a the the dude who's like oh how's it going in your hacienda today like he's like exerting the the language of of the the area a little bit too much he's he's he feels like an outsider to me that he's thinks he knows the customs but he's not he's not the smoothest operator no no yeah so like when he goes to pay sally at the at the end there and he's just kind of like oh thank you like it just he feels he means the best and 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 he's He's very businesslike yes and yeah i agree and that's that's another tiny thing that's still kind of nagging at me a little bit is that Moore isn't quite filling his his novel role as the one who Sort of as the translator, Translates reality <laughs> for Laszlo and yeah. Laszlo for reality, which is kind of sad because that sort of dynamic in like a Holmes Watson case is so much fun to watch, yeah. and, and and it never gets old to watch two characters, you know, straight man against like a, a comedic foil or like a good cop bad cop. Like you kind of need those opposites, and the fact that these these two knuckleheads are both kind of bumbling and clueless and awkward with this is is a little. Yeah. It's something. It's not bad. It certainly wasn't a bad scene, but that that little. It could just be a little bit better if maybe more hadn't been put in this weird kind of funk. Like whatever's happened between the the last episode and this one is just kind of strange. I don't know what they're doing with this character. He's just kind of like a broken compass, just kind of twirling around, and it's like they can't quite get a bead on. Like I, I'm imagining the big, the the big wall in the in the production office where they're tracing. You know, if I if I was running a show, like I guess I'd have each character's name and be going through with like a, a line and what all their beats are. And I think Moore's is like this crazy Dr. Seuss squiggly line that just has I, no real destination. You've, you've put me onto a trail that I will talk about later. Okay. And I think might be interesting. All right. But yeah, the scene was, was fine. It was a little funny watching Laszlo just cause Moore's kind of like, Hey, and he, he's, it's a more genuine moment. It's more conversational. Like he's a little angry with him. I mean, he's really angry with him because he stole his money and, and yeah, no, what else him, happened to him. Yeah. But it just feels more organic and and even the way he broaches the subject like they chase him down and he's kind of like oh you took my billfold and it's like this kind of like very natural conversation and then laszlo just his first line is something really weird yeah. like, so when the man takes you in the night like there's something really strange <laughs> what are you doing on the streets tonight yes as opposed ex- to, yeah. <laughs> exactly how do you know who to look for and I've been studying you and I noticed that it's almost like watching two people converse in a bar like genuinely and then like the awkward wing man just walks up and is like hey how many of those beers have you had or something weird to just like totally just bulldoze through the scene and destroy whatever's like it's this kind of these kind of interactions I feel like they're not being treated with the fragility that they should be because a you know that they are potential victims but b they're still kids and yeah. although they are far more like street why street smart and like almost world weary than they should be for their age they're still kids yeah. and they even though they've seen some shit they the way children perceive the world is just so different still and i feel like more in the book kind of gets that and so does chrysler in the same way that like more obviously is sensitive to sarah and doesn't need to be he's he clearly does not feel a need to be sensitive to these boys yeah like i i kind of expected chrysler to handle it with a little more finesse and and there is something to be said for treating kids like they're adults and speaking to them like they're adults because i think that is kind of the way to go but yeah you know what you say it's not it's kind of what you say and not for somebody who runs an institute about for for troubled children it's not he didn't really like 
try to endear himself to the child at all, you know, or, and, or and just that, like kind of get on his level in terms of like how yeah. you're talking to him. Cause Chrysler should be able to extract a lot of information on these kids in a way that doesn't feel forced or too manipulated, too on the nose. But yeah. anyway, it was, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a roundabout way. It was fine. Sure. Uh, act three, Laszlo realizing he can't get any insight into what it means to take a life from a book turns to Cyrus, who reluctantly reveals the pleasure he took in killing a man who was hurting a woman. Laszlo tries to clean his sleeve, but when he cannot, he tries to remove his clothing and has difficulty doing so, which is kind of like I didn't quite get until I actually watched. There was a thing after the episode where they described it. It was like he's having trouble taking his clothes off, which I was kind of like, I guess Mary's there to help him put it on. Like we've seen her taking off his boot and like, so, you know, it's like she's putting on his person costume or something. I don't know. It was weird. You should watch that that thing where they talk about it. This is really... Uh, all right. Is there more to this act or can we... There's more to this act, okay. but... Uh, I. This so is a huge thing. We'll come back to that. Okay. We'll come back to that. Uh, Mary comes in to help him, but not before Stevie runs in to notify Laszlo of another murder. On the rooftop, the Isaacsons, Laszlo, John, and Sarah attempt to investigate while Roosevelt holds off the press and one of the medal recipients notifies Captain Connor of another boy horror murder. Captain Connor readies the police force and then joins the retired chief in a collage. All right, Uh, Mary and Laszlo. We can uh, can start with Cyrus. We should should go on. Okay, yeah, Cyrus. Uh, I was happy to dig into Cyrus a little bit. Yes. And, well, Mary, too, later, but even even kind of start to get there, realize what Laszlo has done for these people. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know or feel like it's loyal, like they're there out of loyalty to him as of yet. Like, even Cyrus, it kind of feels like, a well, yeah, you, you, you got me off of my, my murder charge. <clears throat> but uh, it was still kind of good to start getting those morsels of who these people are and why they're there and Mm -hmm. what Laszlo means to them too. I loved it. Yeah. This is like one of the things I've been waiting for. And like the, the, I don't know his name and I feel bad for that, but the guy who's playing Cyrus, like it was really nice to finally watch this guy be able to sink his teeth into something. And it was a really great scene. And I liked the, the way the shots continually get closer and closer to their faces. Um, (laughs) His name is Robert Wisdom. Oh, man. Robert the Wise. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, awesome scene. As far as I can recall, his backstory is the same. I, okay. I think in the book, it might have actually been his wife that was beaten uh, or murdered by yeah. like a gang of like racists. And I, I, know, I think it was very racially motivated in the book. I don't remember if he said that in the show or not. I only got to watch the episode once. But no, it, it seemed like it was just... Uh, he was just a, a, like a good Samaritan. Really, only what Laszlo mentions is that he... Laszlo postulated that Cyrus was reacting to the the attack on this girl as the same of his mother being killed in front of him or something like that. It's very similar. That's really the only context that you get out of it. Either way. Yeah. It was definitely like a, a a murder of somebody in like a semi defense capacity, but just really like, I mean, it's murder, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was great. I was really happy to see that exchange. And I thought it was really interesting too, that Laszlo, 
as far as I recall, an exchange like that does not happen in the book. You find out about Laszlo, or I'm sorry, Cyrus has passed through more as the, excuse me, as the narrator. Okay. Same with Mary, although more talks to Sarah about it, but it's same kind of thing. Yeah. And Cyrus and Laszlo never have an exchange like that in the book, as far as I can recall, because it's very like, that's a hard thing to talk to somebody about, I'm sure. And even though they have a very close relationship and an understanding, and I think that... I do think part of the reason they're there is out of loyalty because they, the, this man has has understood them and accepted them on a level that other people just won't yeah. or can't. And I think that that goes a long way for people like this, especially in this age. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, I thought it was an awesome scene. It, it, I was really like really into it. And I think Laszlo's... I think it was almost as important for Laszlo as it was for Cyrus to kind of talk about it. I mean, Cyrus didn't want to go there. Like, he was like, please, like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so Laszlo just will will brute force his way to it, which is very interesting, too, for his character. But I'm not sure whether he learned anything more in that moment than he already knew. But yeah, well, he he probably had never approached Cyrus's therapy from the mode of like, oh, I need to understand what it does feel like to take a life. Because if there is a adrenaline and endorphin rush if there's a chemical and psychological satisfaction out of taking a life then maybe i need to be aware of it yeah like i think before he probably focused on the why did you do it and with cyrus i don't get the impression that it's something that he's done often no it's only like it happened once yeah and so i think laszlo's line of questioning was probably more along the lines of why did you do it originally and then when now that he's seeking to try to understand why somebody would continue killing, he had a primary source of like, what did it feel like? Mm-hmm. How did it affect it? It organically worked for me. Like it, it feel like it, if you learn it from John in the book, that's all fine and good, but I don't feel like there was any foul here from. Oh, not at all. Yeah, no, 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 so. no. I thought it was great. Yeah. I think it was also interesting because Laszlo as, as, brilliant as he is and as much foresight as he does have there are it's it's nice to remember that he's human and watch him learn new things too yeah. like the idea that he has been so heavily involved in cyrus's life for these years and yet exactly as you said his question always before was why and not what did it do to you and mm-hmm. how do you how do you feel now it was like how did you feel then oh you're remorseful oh all right well sorry and like you know he did it <laughs> because of these reasons but now yeah it was it was uh it was cool and it was also sad to watch him push his friend and like confidant into this place he didn't want to go because which i would say a little bit too about sarah and john oh yeah in the, in oh the yeah next act but yep. um laszlo and mary oh man so why do you think he had a hard time so they're 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 doing little behind the scenes things at the end of the like on demand version of these in the app, mm-hmm. and I watched it and I think the I don't know if it was the writer of the episode or the director I think it might have been the director of the episode talked about how he was having trouble taking off or I guess he he was having trouble cleaning his shirt and then he's like struggling to take it off essentially. Because I think, I mean, cl- the clothing in the Gild- Gilded Age appears to be so much more needlessly complicated than anything is today. Looking at, like, putting the collar on by the buttons and just everything going on with that entire outfit. It's awesome, but it's horrible at the same time to me. 
and like it it made sense to me because I was like we've previously seen Mary helping him put the clothes on and take them or take them off I guess at least so I don't the only other details that they gave about the scene I think Daniel Bruhl mentioned that he in his mind Laszlo has never slept with a woman and anytime he is with Mary he's acting like a teenager was kind of what he put that's what Daniel Bruhl mentioned about that interaction at least this is a this is a problem because this is a moment I was waiting for and this is one of the in our for, in our primer episode I said there's something really important about Chrysler's character that I'm not sure is going to make it into the show based on the promo photos and what I saw it in this scene and you didn't and now I'm questioning whether or not Ooh. it happened his right arm is not a normal arm. It is very like underdeveloped. Uh. <laughs> and in the shot, he turns around and you can see that his left arm, I mean, Daniel Bruhl's got, he's got some decent guns on his left arm. Like I he's, was, he's, you kind know of what? A, he's kind of a burly guy, but his right arm is like a very like noodle thin arm. As I told you, the arrow was pointing to his head. <laughs> there was a, there. Uh, you can see in my notes here, in bold, uh, one bullet point just says chest hair because it's just a, an arrow that points up to his face. And that's where my... That's where your attention was drawn? where my attention was drawn. Uh, but, but that makes so much more sense to me when, with how he was struggling to clean... When clean it the, happened in the show, I thought to myself, they don't really show you that his arm is screwed up. You see it, but it, they don't really like acknowledge it. It's not it. a focus. It's, it, not. it's not lit enough to really, really see it. And I wondered, is this going to slip by? And now I'm actually questioning whether or not it actually is in the show or if I wanted to see it so bad that People, I People, please write in and let us know what you got out Because I'm very curious now. Maybe I'm just not as observant as I thought I was. Well, all right. So now that we're talking about it, in the book and probably in the show... Laszlo's right arm is handicapped. His right arm is not developed with the normal musculature of an adult man. It is essentially, it's not, it, it's, I don't know if crippled is the right term. He has use of it, but it doesn't really work as, as it should. And uh, I've been dying to talk about this. In the first two episodes, he is never using his right arm. He's always holding things in his left arm. He's using his left hand to do everything. He's zipping up or he's like, he's pretty much doing everything with his left hand. And occasionally you'll see him. And in this episode, I paid attention earlier. He's holding a book in his right hand, but he's holding it at waist level while he's reading it. And he takes it out of his right hand with his left in order to shelve it or whatever he does with it. So his hands work, his arm works, but it's not like it doesn't have any of the normal strength capacity of a, of a human, of a normal adult, healthy adult male. I'm about to, to pull it up. Uh, and I let me let me try and see here. Are we it, gonna just pause, or are we just gonna uh, keep talking? The, the thing about this is, like, I'm not really certain. Like, maybe you have only noticed it because you've been looking for it, <laughs> and maybe we are not supposed to know it yet. Well, we are now though, because he takes his shirt off, and you see he it. takes his shirt off. All right, we're 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 pausing. Okay, I'm gonna give you a waveform mark here. We just went to the tape, and I'm extremely unobservant. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. I don't know how I missed that. 
There's something sometimes sometimes in these shows there are things that just sail straight past my head. Well, it doesn't but like I said, it doesn't go out of its way to no. really show you. It kinda does for a second. The camera lingers more on his forearm than his but I think the the devil is the clues are in how he uses his left hand for and any anything that requires any dexterity. Yeah, and, and that's one of those things where it struck it struck me as weird about how much trouble he was having. Mm-hmm. But I apparently just did not put the clues together the the dots were not connecting for me well i think now if you go back and you rewatch the first and second episodes you'll I'll you'll take a lot of note that he's using his left hand for pretty much everything that's very interesting he's using his right hand for little things like pro like like i said he's he'll hold like a book down here or something like yeah. that but anything that really requires any dexterity or or strength he's using his left hand for uh I think they've done a good job of hiding it thus yes. far. Yes, they have, which was interesting and and actually very appropriate. But so when I saw the the publicity photos, I I was I just immediately was like that has to be in there. And I saw him like walking and he's he's holding a cane with his right hand and so right away I was like what the shit. <laughs> and I was like, man, are they not going to include that feature because it it's really important to his character. And uh you'll you'll start to see why soon as we get to know him more. Yeah. And his I can imagine that it's probably very influential and it's something that he's ashamed of and it's something that... Yes, and and it has a lot... It just has a lot of impact on him. Yeah. And so they, uh, it's really, really cool that they've waited a few episodes. I'm glad they didn't really wait any longer, but they've waited a few episodes to show that. And I'm wondering if, if cruised right by a lot of people because and even the if his right side had been pivoted the, more yeah. into the camera, you would see it a lot more. But... I don't know. Anyway, there's a chance that other people, normal people that aren't me, saw it much more clearly. Maybe we'll find out. Please, even just tweet or literally just write in. I noticed the arm, or <laughs> I agree, or if you didn't, or if you if you think his arm is normal and we're just seeing things because I now I planted that seed in Alex's head. Yeah, but I think it's pretty apparent that it is. No, it is smaller sure. than the other. For sure. And in, in the book, though, they almost describe it as almost being a little shorter, too. Mm. So it's easier to tell that he doesn't, that there's a little bit of yeah. difference. And, and maybe that is the case in the show. We just haven't really been able to see it yet. Maybe it is a little shorter. But either way, it's important that he is comfortable enough in front of Mary to, like, let her, like, she doesn't look at it and go, Ooh, like, she she knows. Clearly, yeah. she already knows. And she's, she's, she's probably helped him get dressed and undressed before in this manner and that she is his i don't want to say confidant because it's kind of a cheap word to use for it but they they have a a more complex relationship than simply like housekeeper and and uh, employer yeah also she uses some sign language she does she does not she doesn't speak yeah we hadn't seen her speak previously obviously Mm -hmm. but uh there's kind of the confirmation that she's using sign language rather Mm -hmm. than speaking so yeah, um, I was really excited to see, and I know I'm going to say her name wrong, but I'm going to guess that it's, I don't know, I don't even want to hazard a guess because I know I'll get it wrong. But she... Karanka Kilcher? Yeah, that's sure. a good guess. She, I think the first movie or anything she was in was The New World, and she was really good in that. And when I saw, before this series even aired, when I saw that she was in it, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And when I saw that she was playing Mary, I was like, that's really cool. I think she's she's good casting and she's got the 
kind of delicate beauty to her that Mary should while she also has like a real like there's a strength to her mm-hmm. that is really important as well. So yeah. that was a really cool scene and a, and a cool exchange and a cool moment between the two of them that uh, kind of in a, in a slight way reminded me of Witness. Have you ever seen Witness either? No. Nope. Of course not. <laughs> another, another, <laughs> another wonderful movie. <laughs> There's a moment kind of like that between Harrison Ford and the the uh, the female lead in the movie, and I can't remember the character's name. Rebecca, I think is the character's name. But it, it's not quite as uh, as a direct engagement. But there's kind of a moment of intimacy like that between them, and it it's really like it's really revealing when a character is like comfortable enough to do that in front of another character or to be like exposed to that degree. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It was just it was a good scene. I really liked the way it played out. But I just was really glad to see the reveal of his arm. And and now I'm sure he'll be watching all of his what he uses his hands for and what he doesn't. Oh man, I feel what, what, like once a season I I earn a dunce cap for something. <laughs> a lot of these. We're gonna we're gonna buy one and just keep it here in this room. And you have to we have to wear it and get your picture on Instagram. Alex, the TV dunce. Yeah, or sometimes I I dunce it up. What freaks me out more is that on the behind-the-scenes stuff you're talking about, nobody talked about Lazlo's arm. Well, and that's one of those that I I was kind of half watching it because okay. it was it was afterwards. I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this because I don't know what they're gonna say. Okay, and that kind of like so it I, it wasn't a full. I wasn't fully uh, attentive. Okay, when when that was being talked about, sure. and the other thing is, is that they might not have said they they may have talked about this after the first episode or the second episode, and therefore didn't feel the need to, uh, because a lot of the times those those after episode featurettes are like shortly they're kind of very closely edited, so it's kind of like like they're trying to maximize their time and they don't. It's like almost if you watch them all right next to each other, then it's it makes more sense than if you watch them individually. Oh, okay. So I'm wondering if maybe they've talked about it before. It's entirely possible. Could be. I haven't been watching those, so I can't weigh in yeah. one way or the other. All right. Act four. The chief and captain conspire to turn the impeding of a murder investigation on Roosevelt. Meanwhile, the Isaacsons rule uh, the mutilation similar to the Zweig boys. Sarah steps away to catch a breath, but after hearing a comment from John, realizes all of the bodies have been found high up and near water. Laszlo starts piecing these details together. After learning there were signs of strangulation but no struggle, he wonders if uh, if, it, if the murders start as some kind of sexual act that the boys are comfortable with before turning into something worse. Oh, so we're up on the rooftop now? Yep. Okay, okay. Sorry. That kind of happened in the last act. Uh... Stevie notifies Roosevelt that the police have arrived and they work to get Laszlo and company out undetected, but not without John dropping his sketchbook, which is picked up by a shadowy figure. A shadowy figure that we see yeah, chilling that, in the rafters. Chilling in the rafters when the pictures are being taken and stuff. So he's kind of watching and enjoying the mm-hmm. dissection of his murder scene, I guess. Um, yeah, the scene on the rooftop is really good. Like it's it, just watching them do their work, mm-hmm. watching Sarah experience a murder scene for the first time, uh, like firsthand, and just kind of seeing the team the team start to gel and everybody kind of figuring out exactly what's going on, except for John, of course, who's <laughs> like, "Well, I guess I might as well stop drawing because they got a camera over here." Yeah, well, this fancy photo, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> with his chemicals and and light. Uh, That'll never last. <laughs> Charcoal's never going out of style. <laughs> but no, uh, I mean John is the one that kind of notes that they're up high, like there's no way down and no way up, really. So. You know, obviously he's got he's got this weird stumbling into importance kind of thing going on. Yeah, which but. is great. It's perfect for him. It is cool that they're all clued into different aspects of what's going on here. Like Moore is very focused on the on the heights yep. and Sarah hones in on the water and Laszlo's you know, the Isaacsons are really hung up on the forensics of it all and Laszlo's just trying to put together the psyche of the person and it's it's neat that they're all kind of bringing stuff to the table. Yeah. Which it's it's always it's rewarding to see collaboration working because I think a lot of TV and movies for a long time have been kind of ruled by like lone lone wolf operatives who can do it all and it, that's so yeah. incredibly unrealistic. The 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 detective who's <laughs> like I've been around the block a few times and the new one who's kind of like I don't really know if I trust your instincts and that kind of. Even just, I, I'm even thinking broader into just like action movie territory where yeah. like you've got like the Marine, like the one character who's, who could do it all. And while those are fun to watch, it's, it's a little more rewarding, at least for me to watch. Like it's a, more of a challenge to set up an ensemble, you know? Yeah. And, and it, it just feels a little more relatable when you can watch peop, different people bring different things to the table Yeah, and, uh, and, and work together to solve something. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a really cool scene. I, I felt the same kind of twinge of excitement as they're walking in as I do reading the book as they start to approach a scene because you're like, oh, they... And they... <clears throat> this is something that's kind of missing from the show, but the sense that they all do, they get excited when there's another one because they know that they're going to learn more and they're, they're going to confirm more and they're going to get one step closer. But at the same time, they're kind of sick sickened by their own reaction that they're excited there's another one like they yeah. don't want them to be to be more but at the same time if the killer were to suddenly stop and like there was never it another one cold, yeah. they would go insane because yep. they want to solve it and they want to learn more yeah especially laszlo that's pretty good but there's that 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 like again it's just something that by function of how the show is designed we're not in moore's head so we can't understand exactly like what he's feeling or how he is interpreting everyone else's feelings I do almost wonder what the show would be like if if there was like kind of a an, an overlord narrator of like Moore and his journal, like writing a retrospective. Yeah. If if we had a little bit of that insight, if that would like be helpful or make the show any better, it probably wouldn't. But yeah. Moore's not like exactly spectacular right now, anyway. So. Yeah, that might that that probably would just. I feel like it would feel like unless it was done very very well, it could feel like a vestige of the book a little bit too much. Yeah. Sure. But. Yeah, it's it's cool though. It's it's cool to to see another investigation. I also feel like maybe the the threat of what happens if Roosevelt is found colluding isn't really too clear that like this is like a career threatening thing that he's he's not they do kind of talk about it that he's impeding an investigation, which he's really not. But All he's doing is giving them first access to the crime scene, which I guess through the eyes of the legal department would be like, "Yes, there are there are non-policemen on the scene. That's not right." Yeah. But he is, we, we don't, I guess we don't really see the, the conversation of Roosevelt saying like, I can get you guys up there an hour or, you know, I can give you 20 minutes uninterrupted, but I'm putting my neck on the line for you. Like we just, we don't have that. 
We have other characters talking about it, but then we just cut to Roosevelt just standing there. Well, Ro- like Roosevelt is up on the roof when they first get there mm-hmm. and and says, I can get you an hour. And then Lazlo's like, well, if you can get us an hour, then you can get us three. Mm. Kind of being a little flippant about what Roosevelt is doing. But yeah, I think m- more so we're getting that Chief Byrne, I think his name is, mm-hmm. and Captain Connor want to find something to hang roosevelt's neck on yep and um it's not quite i'm wondering if maybe roosevelt roosevelt's not i don't think roosevelt's that aware of it you know like which is even worse (laughs) well but here's the thing is that sarah's come to laszlo about the hidden police documents and the same with the santorelli body being gone oh we don't necessarily know that roosevelt has all those pieces yet yeah i I, I agree with that i thought you meant he doesn't know what the threat of like being fired and yeah he he doesn't necessarily know that there are active forces conspiring against him he just knows that the police are corrupt i think he knows they're looking for a reason to oust him but maybe not that they're building a case actively yeah he definitely knows that he has to buy them. Some he's time stepping be- on eggshells because when they, when sure. they arrive, he acts all cool and calculated, and he's kind of like you know, you know just m- conversing and giving yeah. them enough time to get away. Which their their little escape is really fun. Yeah, like it's it's kind of thrilling. But my my point is that I don't know that Roosevelt understands that his job is completely on the line. You know that he well that he has enemies that are working to construct a narrative that, yeah that could use his his uh defiance of normal police protocol as the thing that pulls him mm-hmm. off of his job which is a little troublesome and, and it ties into the the mystery of the eight what the hq is because in the book it is it is very clearly laid out by laszlo and roosevelt together that normal police are not going to solve this crime and if they do, it's going to be by accident or it'll be after more bodies have hit the ground, basically. Mm-hmm. And so Roosevelt says he can put together like a secret special investigation team, essentially. And if he had to, he could say it was headed up by the Isaacsons and he just gave them authority. And he can essentially like Mission Impossible Absolve it and say, I will disavow any that, knowledge yeah. of it. But by having, you know, everyone's there, like we said, for a reason. The Isaacsons are there because they're policemen and they can get to crime scenes and they can be their excuse. Like like he even says in this scene, like, oh, the yeah, the detective sergeants are already up there. Like, they're the first guys here. Sorry. Like, I'm glad you go. Even when they walk up, he's like, oh, you finally made it. Like, yeah. they're supposed to have known. And that's his cover there is that like, oh, the reason I'm here, the detective sergeants were the first ones on the scene. Sarah's there because she can come and go from police HQ and nobody really noticed. John is supposed to be a reporter, but now he's a sketch man. <laughs> and Laszlo is Laszlo. But the reason for the HQ, and it, it's just a just a rented space in yeah. the city. It has to be somewhere anonymous because he knows there are eyes on police headquarters. And there will be eyes at Laszlo's house that could arouse suspicion. So they have to do it somewhere anonymous. And there's actually like a fun little portion of the book where they talk about buying the furniture for it and deciding where it'll be and making sure it's close to Delmonico's is actually, a, it's, a, it's a factor because Laszlo wants to be able to order carry out from there all the time yeah. and go there for meetings. But it has to be in the downtown area close enough to police headquarters where it won't be so inconvenient to get there. So it, it's chosen specifically for a reason. And I guarantee in the book, it is exactly down to the intersection where you could figure out which building it was that, yeah. that Caleb Carr is referencing. But either way, 
the HQ is sort of a character in the book and it has the chalkboard, which I've made a big fuss about. And that finally <laughs> makes an, a cameo in this episode, <laughs> but the chalkboard is a big f- feature in the book. And we can talk more about that in a minute. But anyway, the, the, the fact that the, the identity and, and location of this HQ is kind of hazy kind of bothers me because I feel like it's an important idea of where these people all meet. Yeah. Like a, like a meeting space where things really get hashed out because usually in the book, they're all sent off on separate missions They'll have different things they have to do that day, and then they're going to report back. Like if there's not a murder that day, they're all going to be going out and saying, like, "Doing different stuff." I'm going to, you know, Moore's going to be knocking on doors and talking, interviewing people, and they all, have to, and then they're going to re reconvene there and, and hash it out and, and put all updates onto the board. So anyway, yeah, no, I think that would enhance the show a little bit. Hopefully, that makes I think that's it, a little they, more clear. like the with the ten episodes, it might feel a little disjointed. For four different people, like I, I feel like with having them all separate, doing different things all the time, you'd get a lot less character development. Oh, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying that aspect needs to be in the show, but I think a little bit more information on where they're headquartered yeah. and why it's chosen, I think, would be valuable. Yeah, no, it's not I essential, agree. but yeah. Uh. Yeah, I don't think there's too much more about that act. We can get to the final act, Act 5. Laszlo gets angry when Mary appears to have made breakfast at the undisclosed location, and he sends her away. Tensions rise as John wants to get to sleep, but Laszlo wants to keep working on the problem. Laszlo digs in deeply to understand the killer, but goes too far when asking John why he seeks the company of strangers and asking Sarah what she does to cope with her father's suicide. They both leave in anger. John apologizes for telling Laszlo about Sarah's father, and then he kisses Sarah, who does not necessarily receive it well. She wonders why Laszlo treated Mary like more than a reprimanded servant when John explains Mary is one of Laszlo's wards who attempted to burn her father several times and succeeded. Laszlo walks up to Mary, but just observes, uh, and she smiles as he walks away without comment. Meanwhile, Sarah sees herself as a child in the reflection of a mirror when she picks a book off of the shelf. And John realizes he lost his sketchbook when he gets home. Finally, we see the shadowy figure observing and touching John's drawing of Giorgio. So, Laszlo getting angry at Mary. I I think uh, with the brand new context. (laughs) (laughs) The Tim and Eric mind explosion Mm. moment provided of... uh, Yeah, uh, obviously, you know... Yes and no. As you said, without the understanding that their location is elsewhere, why is she there, number one? Number two, just geographically it doesn't make sense. But also it makes sense from the fact that he wants to keep her away and that he's very protective of her. Mm -hmm. And she wants to help. Yeah, that too. too. She knows. It's hard to assume what she does and doesn't know because she doesn't communicate the same way. I think it's easy to dismiss her. But in the second episode, we see her kind of um, at the stairwell listening in Mm -hmm. and she drops the glass because she was there. And Laszlo very clearly stops talking till she leaves the room. Mm -hmm. But clearly she's been hidden around the corner. Yes. Listening to things. It's easy to dismiss her because she's the help essentially. And she, because she's mute. Yeah you kind of can, it's easy to forget about her. And she, I mean, she knows there's something going on. She knows there's some sort of investigation. She knows about the murders. And so she wants to be helpful. And Laszlo's, 
that scene is is almost directly from the book of Laszlo getting angry with her and kicking her out. And uh, it was, I'm, I'm glad to see that the, the relationship between them is is staying pretty true to the source because it's it's important. That's good. Um, and I think she's great. She says a lot with her face and just her eyes yeah. and her expressions, and even just the way she stomps out of there is mm-hmm. like really good. Um, and and it's pretty true to the source material that Sarah takes note of it, and she's kind of like, hmm. And John's just kind of like whatever. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts. Is John just wanting to sleep? <laughs> well, yeah, but also John apologizing or, or thanking Mary for making the mm. breakfast when yeah. Laszlo doesn't. I think is a little bit of of that dynamic that you were missing earlier of mm-hmm. that he knows them. Yes. Yeah. Well, not only that he knows them, but also John translating the world for Laszlo and translating Laszlo for the world, like. Mm-hmm. Very much kind of a, this is where humans would say, I'm, I'm thank you for what you've done, but yeah. please. Yeah. And, and if I, I think in this day and age or that day and age where the show takes place, I think if, if a, if a, if a, a person dismissed their servant, like their guest would be like, oh, whatever. Like, yeah, ooh, she should, she stepped out of line, but because he goes out of his way to say, thank you, Mary. And like, you know, she's gonna, maybe more than that. He knows her. Yeah. yeah. And, and more, he and more would consider her like sort of a friend or yeah. as much as much as as comfortably as he could and same with cyrus and stevie i did like that um and as far as the rest of the scene goes yeah laszlo uh pushes a little too far with both of them he go he does what he did with cyrus i think earlier except he didn't really even ask permission it's not that he asked cyrus but he he kind of initially is like eh, and then he just does it anyway but with these two he just goes right for it you see his reluctance of I don't want to ask you to do this, but I'm going to anyway. And, so, and he and there's a, at least an exchange of words where Cyrus is like, "I know what you're driving towards. Please don't." And yeah. then he proceeds anyway. But with, with this, it's just like he's he's kind of so angry that John's like he's just loving it up. He's irritable, yeah. Because also, and I think that the big consideration is because another another kid died. Yeah. And Laszlo doesn't like to see kids die, yeah. as nobody does. But for Laszlo, it's very personal when these children are are hurt or mistreated or killed. Yeah. And I think he's. It's a combination of his frustration there, his frustration with the team, his uh, the fact that John is only human, and yes, he is probably exhausted, and mm-hmm. he also has his own. Prob- also, he's been like drunk and like beaten and yes. whatever, <laughs> and he has his own problems too. He has his own yeah. psychological wear and tear, and I think it's easy for people who are exceptionally gifted and, and exceptionally motivated, where it's part of their core to just work and strive a little bit harder. I think it's easy to forget that some people just aren't on your level like yeah. that. And so more as well untouched as he is, dude's probably bushed. And while Laszlo is right, like, yes, it, the imprint, the impression is fresh. We need to talk about it now. Moore's uh, desire to get some rest and, and sleep on it as many of us do with like important information or decisions is pretty pretty human well and and the idea of I'm too tired to even comprehend what happened in mm-hmm. front of me I think is very real too so yep. but I think Mo- Kreisler knows if if he pushed him enough he could get some really raw impression out of him but ultimately he made it worse by just making them leave yeah. he got nothing out of the exchange yeah and and he very much discards them of come back when you're ready to look into yourselves. Yeah, when and you're ready. He, and he's clearly like, I'm going to continue putting my thoughts together. Yes. Like, get out of my way. And maybe I'm not going to take my own medicine and look into myself here. Mm-hmm. Like, he's clearly like, he's dishing it out. But is he really listening to what he's saying? Yeah. And more, I mean, he talks about Moore's broken engagement. And, and his 
bad relationship with his father mm-hmm. and his and his dead brother. So, but then Sarah's is way worse. Like when he just goes for it, because I think Moore is at least delicate enough earlier on in the series to say like it was it's it was un- inconclusive if it was a suicide or not, but. Chrysler just goes for it. Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, your father's suicide. What's up?" And <laughs> clearly, I I don't think she's used to anybody being quite that blunt about it to her face. So it's definitely pretty shocking. Well, and I think the there's the a little bit of betrayal of trust there too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like the, who who told you? Obviously, it was John. And they just they just had a they had a kind of a rapport going, like she and 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 Laszlo, and then all of a sudden for him to just throw that. Throw that shit in her face and just be like, "Yes, I am. I am the distant aloof doctor after all." Sorry. Yeah. I can't ever take my analyst hat off. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. It's a tough scene to watch the watch the little trio there at odds. Fracture. Mm-hmm. Uh, John and Sarah in the in the carriage. Good Mary background. The kiss was weird. Super weird. And don't uh, eat it. Like, yeah, I don't know. Throw it in the dumpster. <laughs> Don't need that. Throw anymore. it aside like Laszlo threw John and Sarah mm-hmm. aside. Um, but other than that, I don't know that there's much else there. Unless you wanted to comment on the Mary backstory. It's yeah, it's good. It's good. I'm glad they talked about it. I'm glad there are certain things they're being a little more upfront with because they're just matter of fact. And that's kind of the way it is in the book, too. Like, this is who these people were, and that's not who they are anymore. Yeah. And uh, you should feel... Like, they're important. It is pretty shocking, though. I mean, to think, like, Cyrus's is one thing, but, like, when you hear that from there, you're like, holy shit. Like, yeah. That's intense. Yeah. And uh, and the fact that it took several attempts, like, it's... Yeah. There's a... But they don't talk about why. And I don't not know... Yeah. I don't know if Moore doesn't know. I don't know if Moore knows or not in the show why. We'll probably get there. He's very, like matter of fact about it and kind of like almost flippant like kind of like yeah this is what happened and i think the explanation not that there's an explanation that makes it okay yeah but i think some of the why some of the, needs yeah. to be taken into consideration i think yeah i i have a feeling that we'll get some of that somewhere yes uh <clears throat> the nice little like the the bookends of the moment so laszlo walking up to mary mostly just kind of observing her he doesn't even like the way he walks up to her i wouldn't say that he seems like he wants to say anything i think he just wants to be near her yeah and and she she kind of i think she realizes that Mm because she very much is he steps away and she starts smiling essentially Mm -hmm. but uh i thought that was a nice moment if not each not very the, traditional, not what I would have expected at all. Each of but. the three of them seem to have a small moment where they're almost kind of looking in, almost like Laszlo said, too. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. what Moore's is, but I remember... Well, Moore, I guess Moore, Moore reaches for his sketchbook and doesn't find it. Mm-hmm. He finds that it's gone. But that it was kind of a cool little way to end with a little moment from each of them. And then, obviously, our shadowy figure kind of admiring John's picture. This is what I was going to say with respect to John. Okay. I feel like we're on a journey of John finding himself to be more like the killer than he realized Hmm. in terms of like, we see the killer admiring the art that John made of, of his work. It's kind of like a recreation of the work of the killer. John notices like John's comment is the first one that makes Sarah notice that things are all high up and just kind of like, 
I, I think I think that more so I think the killer's going to see that John could admire what's going on. Very, very interesting. Uh, and so that that was kind of that this is this was the first time that I was like, okay, I can see that they're trying to do something thematically with the fact that he is an illustrator and not a reporter. I don't know if it's going to work in the end. I don't know if it's going to be good at all. Maybe I'm just grasping at straws. But No, I think that's an that's a really interesting theory. Th- thematically it seems like there could be something there and we'll see if they drive towards it. I mean, with the way that he kind of like gropes at the drawing. Yeah, the his hand almost trembles over yeah. it. Like it's like it has really captured the essence of Giorgio in his mind yeah. as well as like his work cuz mm-hmm. I think it's pretty it's pretty common to, to see in media serial killers they're thinking that what they're doing is their art or their yeah. masterpiece or their opus, and they they would call it their work. And it, well, but the idea that like Laszlo dismisses that drawing in the beginning as a romanticized version of of the the scene, and that somehow speaking to the killer, I think that also you think that maybe Laszlo is dismissing the notion that to the killer it is romanticized yeah that's very interesting that's very cool laszlo definitely he knows there's more to it than just yeah than just random murder but he he's focused on the ritual aspect of it kind of like the way that things are meticulously done and i think maybe he's not viewing it in term in in the way of of an a creation he thinks well, yeah he, like like it, it's almost like he's making something new He's transforming something. La- Laszlo, the idea of passion, I think, is not... It's not foreign to Laszlo, but it's not... I don't feel like it's something that he has had a whole lot of firsthand experience with. Sure. And so the idea that these are maybe crimes of passion uh, are the- all... Like, it, it, it just kind of, like, it, it's absent to him at the moment. Mm-hmm. And maybe the fact that John sees it in that way and can illustrate it in that way and can kind of like that, that could make John in some ways the most integral part of the team. That's very, very perceptive of you. We'll see. I think you're really onto something there. And I I mean, this is, this is fresh territory for me because he does words. You're not, you're not, you're not playing coy. You're, you're, you're reacting to what I'm saying. Yes, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I think Good. that that's a great idea. That's and that, and I'm actually pretty on board for that. Yeah. Even though it does turn more into a le- less of a of a observational party and more of like more actively involved. Yeah. It's not a bad thing for the show. Yeah. Because we've, that train has already sailed, as yeah. I like to say. Yeah. So. I dig that. That's what I got out of it. We'll see if that's. At least you got that. that you missed the, the wacky new alarm, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh <laughs> you've dug God. deeper than I did. I, don't, I now I want to go back to the point in preacher. I think that I, I explained something to you and Lance, and you both looked at me like, "What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> did he completely miss?" And I forget what the moment was, but there there is one. So. There are there are certain things, uh, obviously through through both of those shows that i am a little more privy to yeah and i had a great time watching you not notice that he was doing everything with his left arm in the first two episodes <laughs> but i uh, i'm glad that we got to it already and it yeah. wasn't like a last episode reveal where mm-hmm. it's like scary movie and he's got the little arm <laughs> out of nowhere yeah well 
anyway but those are please somebody write in and let yes, us know yes please please let us know if you were just as mystified as me or if i am alone in my lacks of lack of observation skills yeah i mean it's it's I'm always fun curious. to talk back and forth either, either over twitter or yeah there's links to our twitter on the alienist.tv you can you can copy both nick and i on a response let us know mm-hmm. i had a or really fun can, twitter exchange with uh the host of the canon actually just yes, oh, yeah. yesterday or two days ago about i tweeted her and the the guest host about something because they're both from michigan apparently oh. i didn't know that hmm. and uh or at least originally and they both replied like pretty immediately after and the reply was really really good and I was that's like, awesome oh, that's pretty nice it's always fun to have an exchange with someone like that yeah yeah to connect with the creators of a thing that you like so or or please, the fans connect like connect with us and let us know. I enjoy that that Nancy has been continually yes. kind of checking in. Yes. It's fun. And I'm still really ready to watch the Nick. I haven't yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I listened to some of the score the other day when she mentioned that. I didn't realize Cliff Martinez did it. That's awesome. It is. Former drummer of the Chili Peppers. It is good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on TheAlienist.tv. We're also on TV Time, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music. You can email us at feedback at TV to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on TNT's The Alienist so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding The Alienist or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, HBO's Westworld, and AMC's Preacher. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support the network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme is the song Division by Kevin MacLeod, and it's being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. That's all for this week's episode of The Alienist Recap. We can't wait to see what next week's episode of The Alienist brings, but until then, meet us at the undisclosed location by the chalkboard. That's not bad. <laughs> I was wondering what it was going to be. I was going to say, until then, look inward. Or <laughs> well, whatever, whatever Laszlo's line is, just look, look into yourself. All right, let's get on with the episode. Uh, let's start with the teaser. The retired chief police. Uh, chief police. The retired chief police. <laughs> <laughs> the retired minister prime. <laughs> That's all for this episode of the Alienist Recap. We can't wait. Uh, we can't wait to see what. <sighs> so close. That's all for this week's episode of the Alienist Recap. We can't wait to see what next week's... Oh. So close. That's all for this episode of the Alienist Recap. We can't wait to see what's next... God. God. (laughs) 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 (sighs) Uh, We didn't even talk about the chalkboard.